0: Ok, let's begin. Um, I, I, I saw that the, the most the recent uh, topics that the Illuminate was discussing was religious Zionism. So I tried to find, I went to see what had been touched upon, and I see that basic foundations and fundamental have not been addressed. Some, uh, some I would say, side elements and aspects have been addressed, but not the main issue. So I would like today, in the time that we have allotted, and uh, it's really up to you. I mean, I, I have as much time as you want. I'm beginning late and I can finish late, but it's really up to you. It's always difficult to follow Zoom, and especially when there's nobody in a face right now, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> so we, we, can, we can go together and you can tell me how much we wanna go through. So let's begin. Um, the, the, the most important thing about religious Zionism Uh, as far as the foundations and the, the or I would say the theological foundations of religious Zionism, is the fact that religious Zionism, what we say is that we are trying to read, that's the headline, Jewish history through Jewish text. That is to say, you know, I'll say it like this. A thousand years ago, if you would go and ask someone, a a religious person, be it a Muslim, Christian, or Jew, why do you believe the answer would be? Because of the Bible. The Bible is the foundation of of, re- of religiosity in any religion. Unfortunately, over the past hundred years, because of the advent of biblical criticism, which we don't, which is beyond the scope of our discussion right now, today to believe the Bible, why do you believe God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai, God took the Jewish people out of Egypt, Adonai, God these other miracles? That's not something which people are so really connect to. Many people say it's nice stories, nice myths, but that's nothing, not, 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 nothing convincing. I actually think religious Zionism is a very powerful Um, system of belief for the following reason if you read Jewish texts written 3,500 years ago, written 2,000 years ago, written 1,500, written 1,000 years ago, the Jewish text that we have literally described the processes of exile redemption as they have played out. To my mind, religion design is actually a powerful foundation for belief. Because what am I saying? I'm saying let's understand Jewish history through the prism of Jewish texts. I'm sorry. Please ask questions. I, I, stop me whenever you wish. Was anybody asking something? It was a mistake. Sorry, nope, mistake. no mistake. No, all good. All good. Please, please do stop and ask questions whenever you want, and I'll uh, with 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 all the challenges of seeing people and seeing me, whatever I will try to do my best. Okay, so let's begin right now. Let's see how the Torah describes the exile. Now, here's the deal: two times in the Torah, two times in the Torah does the Torah describe at great length as a, a terrible description of exile, plague, wars, famine, but most importantly, the Jewish people be carried away from their land. This is what we call the Tochacha. The Tochacha is the is the uh, rebuke, Tochacha's rebuke. Two times it appears in the Torah, one at the end of par- Sefer by Ikra Parashat one at towards the end of Sefer during Parshat and Parashat Kitavon. It, these are very famous, if you're familiar with the Kriyat HaTorah and the Shul, when the Baal Kriya gets to that place, when the Valkriya gets to that place, he, he they, they give first of all, they give the Valkriya the Aliyah, right? They give the Valkriya the Aliyah because, they, because nobody wants to be called up, yeah, it's like ben Shmuel. come, come, I have lots of curses for you, come, come, listen to these wonderful curses. In the medieval time period, a lot of paupers and poor people made a lot of money. Nobody wanted to get the Aliyah, it's full of terrible curses. They were like, pay me 50 rubles and I'll do it. So it's good pardasa for the poor. And nowadays, the, the custom is that the Valkriya, gets the, the Aliyah, because he's there anyway. We're not coming up specially. And the Valkyria reads it very quickly and very softly because nobody wants to hear these terrible terrible curses. Now here's the deal. These are two times in the Torah where the Torah specifically and in great detail, as I mentioned, describes exile of the Jewish people. As I mentioned, once in B'chukutai, the end of Vayikra, once in Kitavot, towards the end of Sipet And one can then conclude, let's see now, there's two times in the Torah the Torah describes exile from the land. How many times have the Jewish people been exiled? Twice. Destruction of the first temple, destruction of the second temple. Ergo, the, I would argue then that the Torah in one parsha is referring to the first temple's destruction and in the second parsha, the Torah is describing the destruction of the second temple. And But the truth of the matter is what we're going to see in a minute is that what the Ramban did is that the Ramban went one further. It's not just that there are two different types to, to descriptions of exile in the Torah, but rather that there are it's not just the dozen, but the, they are different and they describe differences. At the end of the day, the first temple was destroyed in the year minus five eighty six by the Babylonians. The second temple was destroyed. I'm ta- I'm speaking quickly, uh, gentlemen and gentle ladies, uh, ladies, because of the time factor. I apologize if I'm going too fast. Do slow me down, feel do 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 I just want to. There's a lot of material which we need to get across. I'm just going to try to get it all in. To the best of our abilities. So the first temple destroyed in minus 586 by the Babylonians. The second temple, of course, in the year 70 by the Romans. But although twice the temple was destroyed, there were differences between them. And the Ramban is one of the few commentators on the Torah who literally reads the Torah. As referring to specific, as referring to specific incidences, the Ramban says the first description in Vaikra Bechokotai refers to the destruction of the first temple, and the description in Kitavo refers to the destruction of the second temple. And he shows it from the verses as well. Look at source number one. Here we go. Source number one. This is taken from Vaikra, from Vaikra, which is in Parashat Bechokotai. the Torah says, <speaking in Hebrew> Then the land will rest all the times the, 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 the time that you will be enemies. Uh, the enemies. Then the land will rest. What will rest? Kol The land will rest the Lamb will rest while well, you're in exile. All the years that it did not rest when you were when you were sitting in the land. Rashi comments and the Ramban their comments as well. Shivim shanah shel gadlut bavel keneged shivim shtod alshmat asmita the Rabban has other proofs as well, but Rashi and Rabban both comment that the, 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 the Torah and Parshat describes that 70 years that, which, that that the first exile lasted was parallel to the 70 years of Shemitah Yovel. We all know that during the Shemitah Yovil years, you're not meant to work the land. And the Jewish people, when they were in the in the Eretz Israel did not keep Shemitah Yovil. So 70 years, the land did not rest, the land did not lie fallow as it should have when the Jewish people were Living in Eretz Israel, and as a result of that, so the, the, to, to punish the Jewish people, the seventy times over the four hundred plus years that Jewish people lived in their land, that the Jewish people did not let the land rest, that seventy years of exile parallels that. So the, the seventy years of exile of the first temple is described here in Parshat Befukotai at the end of Sefer There the, the Ramban, but the, the, and the Ramban brings other proofs, but the, really the in 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 Parshat Kitavah. In Dvarim, it's really, really incredible. Look at the second source. Over there in, this, in, in the second, in, in, in Sefer Dvarim, in Parshat Kitabon, the Torah says the following. I'm in source number two God will take you and the king that you will point over yourself to a people that you do not know. And you will worship other gods there. The second verse God will bring upon you a, a, a nation from far away as far as the eagle flies, going, a nation that you will not understand this language. Ladies and gentlemen, the first temple was destroyed, destroyed by the Babylonians. Oh, they lived over the fertile crescent. It's true that today, that's where Iraq is today. You don't, can't just walk there so easily. But even in, in, in near Eastern terms, in the year 586, Babylonian was a known force. It was a known country. The language was known. The people were not considered so far away. This second source in Tavarim is not referring to the Babylonians, but it can absolutely be referring to the Romans, because it says God will bring upon a nation from far away. Rome was far, an unknown entity, a nation which we will not understand this language. They spoke Greek and Latin. That was very far, very different than the Semitic languages that the Jewish people spoke, Aramaic and Hebrew. A nation from far away, and by the way, the Ramban does not comment. But a nation as far as the eagle flies—it's very interesting wording, is it not? Because the standard of the Romans was an eagle, and the the so the psukim over here really re- seems to de- 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 describe. As I mentioned, the temple was destroyed twice, but there were differences. Babylonia was a was a close country. The description in source number two from a nation far away is from a far away country. Look in source number three, Al We're going to do this very quickly. The Ramban says Al this is a hint. Amar yolechem. Source number three. Yolech Hashem of Chaviv to That God will take you to a nation that you don't know. Alechad Agrippa Samelchal He the Ramban reads these verses. Agrippus, the one of the early Hasmonean kings, going to Rome. going God will take upon you a nation from far away. He bow as with Titus. You know this Vespasian and Titus. The Vespasian later became emperor. Titus was the general who actually destroyed the temple. With a great army of Romans, and they captured all the fortified cities. It was very difficult for the Jewish people, and eventually destroyed the temple. I'm skipping a little bit. I'm, I'm on the curse of God scattered the Jewish people as a result of that. This is a, this is a hint to the generation of the second temple destruction because they were trying to destroy them. And then the Ramban concludes, the The last verse, there you go, you see in Pasuk samachet where the curse right now, the last verse of the curses in Sefer Tevarim and Parashat Kitabon, the Yishikha Shem Yitzrayim, God will bring you back to Egypt in boats. you will be sold as slaves. Nobody will buy you. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the passage here concludes at the end of the second destruction, the Jewish people will be sold as slaves to Egypt. The Babylonians never would have sold the Jewish people as slaves to Egypt. If you read Sefer, Egypt was a sworn enemy of Babylonia. As a matter of fact, the reason Babylonia took out the Jewish people is because the Jewish people aligned themselves with the Egyptians against the Babylonians. So this verse where are saying, describing that God will sell you as you will be sold as slaves down to Egypt could not have been referring to the first destruction but absolutely we have texts we have sources both Talmudic sources and roman sources that jews were sold as slaves down to egypt during the second destruction after all who controlled egypt the romans right cleopatra and all those stories rome egypt was a roman protector and egypt was a roman vessel state during the year 70 for 100, over 100 years it had been so, and we absolutely have evidence of jewish people being sold down as slaves to egypt and as a matter of fact, we have Roman sources which describe that there were so many, there was a glut of Jewish slaves, there were so many slaves being sold out to Egypt, the price of a Jewish slave was less than half of, uh, half, a half, less than half of a meal for a horse. Okay, that was the price of Jewish slave. There were so many Jewish slaves sold down to Egypt. There was a glut, prices dropped, it was crazy. This absolutely happened during the second temple destruction, Rebelsai. To sum up we have what we have seen until now, very briefly, what we've seen is this. There are two places in the Torah where the Torah describes the destruction of the temple. Two places where the Torah and the destruction of the temple. I keep on trying to see if I can figure out the, the camera and I don't want to waste time. And I'm just very upset and, and depressed about this. <laughs> and it's very, very depressing about it. I don't understand it. it. It says that we it says the camera's going. I have no idea why it's not working. Oof, so sad. I really apologize. Anyway, okay, Veiter. So we said the two times in the Torah, the Torah describes an exile, and one at the end of Vaikra, one to the end of Devarim, and we said it's not just that there are two descriptions of exile in the Torah, but as the rabban shows, different things happen. The description of Vaikra fits the Babylonians, the building destruction in the year 586 minus, and the description in V'Devarim describes the destruction of the second temple, and we quoted a few examples. There are many others. And therefore, it's, it, it stands to reason that the destruction in Sefer Vayikra refers to the destruction of the first temple and the destruction in Sefer Vaytvarim refers to the destruction of the second temple. Ladies and gentlemen, before I go on, one may conclude, and this is a very fascinating discussion beyond the scope of our, our shir today. Will and can there be a third destruction of the Jewish people in, in Eretz Israel. Now, if you look at these verses, if the Torah describes the destruction twice and the Jewish people will destroy it in exile twice, one may conclude that there will not be a third destruction in the land of Israel. That is the question of dispute today. Many people run in different directions. I think this is self-evident from the psukim There's a story that Rab Fishman, who later became Rab Maimon, and during the Second World War, he was in America, and he wanted to come back to what then what was then known as Palestine in the middle of the war. And the Jewish people told him that the Jews living in Palestine told him, Rabbi, don't come back. He was a chief rabbi, don't come back. You're crazy. The Germans were in North Africa. If you know your, you know your history, Erwin Rommel was the was the uh, the desert fox, was the Nazi general in North Africa. They made it all the way to Egypt, eventually defeated by Montgomery at the Battle of El Alamein. But the Germans were on their way to Eretz Israel, And they told the rabbi, Rabbi, you can't come back. You've got to be crazy. It's dangerous. You cannot come back to Eretz Yisrael. And he said, I don't know where he got it from. We have a tradition there will not be a third destruction. To be sure, the destruction of European Jewry in the Holocaust was beyond any description, anything the Jewish people ever suffered. Way beyond the first destruction, the second destruction, Bar Kokhba revolt, there's no question, but in Eretz Yisrael, but in Eretz trial, it, uh, there will not be a third destruction. And that's what comes up from these verses right over here. If you read these verses with an eye to history and you see, and you argue that these verses are referring to actual historical um, events. But then there's something else. So let's move on. Sorry, okay. Rob. No, I, I've i been listening the whole time, but I didn't see where it says there won't be a third destruction. No, no, it didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> I said that. I said. I didn't hear which, Rob, but was saying, relying on the text as an assurance that don't. I'm not worried yeah it was rav it was rav maimon rav maimon and he was in he was in america he didn't quote a text he said we have a tradition he said we have a tradition i don't know where he got the tradition from what i'm saying is that if the torah describes exile in two different places and the jewish people were exiled twice there is no third description of exile ergo there will not be a third now i look i i there's I, I, there's I said this very a, thing, th- don't get me you wrong you can say there's not going to just just follow the logic though i mean not to be argumentative but please please you can say there won't be a third temple destroyed but we don't have a third temple. So to say there won't be a third destruction of Jewish people there've been many destructions of the Jewish people. I there've said been, in the Pogra- land of Israel. Been, I said, said in the Pograums, land of there've been pogroms, there've been crusades in this the land of Israel. In Israel. the land of Israel when the Jewish uh, people return as a nation that's what I meant. Uh-huh. Certainly I agree the crusaders came to Jerusalem and the first thing they did is kill all the Jews. We know that. We know that. But I'm saying as a Jewish people, as a nation, not as individual, individual communities. Look, I can't bring a proof to that right now. As I said, it's a very interesting discussion. If you're familiar with Rav Soloveitchik's uh, famous article, Kodo de, Kodo de Fek, The Voice of My Beloved is Knocking, he seems to indicate that if we don't uh, you know, open the door and, and to the knocking of God, we don't know what's going to happen. And I think Rav Soloveitchik may be more of a pessimist. I actually asked uh, Rav Blau once. <laughs> Asked to R- R- Rav Yossi Blau, he was the eternal mashgiach at Yeshiva University, did you ever ask R- R- Rav what he felt about this? Could there be a third destruction? He never, he never did. I, I was really wondering. But he, from the writings of R- Rav Soloveitch, you might think that certainly from the writings of uh, Rav Cook and others, I, I think you get the 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 the, the, the uh, impression that there will not be a third destruction, but in the land of Israel, like I said, the destruction of the Holocaust was way beyond anything else ever um, ever, 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 ever occurred. Anyway, but we're um, reading along to seeing how the Torah describes something that again came to fruition. Again, what we're trying to do is read history with the prism of the Torah. So uh, the Ramban points out, I'm in source number four right now. The Ramban points out a very fascinating statement, and it's very critical to see this. Says the Ramban in, part, in, in the Torah over there. Uh, and the it says the nations that your enemies which will be in, in the land of israel you are in exile the the nations your enemies will be desolate he knows they will they will live in israel in a desolate way this is a wonderful tiding given to the jewish people throughout all the exiles look at this next words Our land will never accept our enemies. This is a great proof and and, and a promise to us. You will not find in all all the settlements of the world. A nation which is wonderful and bountiful, which was settled and now is destroyed and desolate the land of Israel since we left the land no nation was ever able to accept and build and and restore this land they are all trying to settle it the they are not successful ladies and gentlemen the Ramban came to Israel in the end of the 13th century no after the famous dispute, he was forced out of Spain. And the famous Barcelona dispute, the Ramban was forced to leave Spain. He fled Spain. And he came to Israel. He came to Yerushalayim. We have the Ramban shul in Yerushalayim because the Ramban came to Yerushalayim. He hardly saw... There's hardly a minion of Jews. But the Ramban lived at the height of the Crusades. And the Ramban saw the Christians and the Muslims fighting over, fighting over uh, the land of Israel. And he saw... That they were fighting and fighting and fighting, and they were nobody was able to settle the land again. Obviously, throughout the generations, people lived in the land of Israel, com- small communities, individuals. But since the Jewish people have left the land of Israel and went to exile, there is never, and this is simply a historical fact, there has never been a successful state created here with a viable economy. That's a that, that's simply a fact that cannot be disputed. And the Rabban says that the Torah promised us. The Torah said, as long as you are in exile, nobody will be able to settle the land. For those, I think the people might have joined since I began. I apologize again that I wasn't able to get my camera up. I have no idea why this is not running. I apologize. If we can get it going, that'd be wonderful. But I'm sorry, my camera doesn't seem to be working. Um, Anyway, so now this is a very powerful thing because as I said, the Torah is promising us no nation will settle the land. And so it has been. There's a very famous uh, statement of Mark Twain he came to Israel in the 1860s. And he says, This place is a swamp. This place is a desert. Nothing will grow here. Until when? Until the Jews came back. We'll talk about that in a moment. So, this is a very powerful, again, promise of the Torah that the nation, the Arabs will be, will be, will be, will lie, will lie desolate. And the people and your enemies will be desolate in this land until the, and whilst you are in exile. And, and again, the Ramban saw this with his own eyes. He saw this, and who's able to write that. As I mentioned, the rabban reads the Torah as really, literally describing events of our own times. The only thing is like this. The rabban, fortunately for him, only saw the exile. He only saw the devastation. We are privileged to be living in a time of redemption. We are privileged to be living in a time, literally witnessing verses of the Torah coming to fruition. And Let's see. Move on. Let's move on. I'm up to source number five. We... So we described two descriptions of exile, that in towards the end of Vaikra, that in, towards the end of the And we argued that the one in the Vaikra is referring to the destruction of the second of the first temple, and the one in varim is referring to the destruction of the of the second temple. Now, what about the redemption? So let's see what the Torah have to say at the end of the curses in source number five, at the end of the curses, at the end of the exile described in Vayikra. Here the Torah says some words of comfort. i I'll remember my covenant with the forefathers. But then I will not destroy, I will not be disgusted, I will not abhor the Jewish people. I will remember them. I remember the covenant of the first ones. to The Jewish people, when they left Egypt, I remember the covenant. These are words of comfort. There, there are some words of comfort after the exile described in Sefer Baikra. But what about at the end of Parshat of Kitavon? Let's look how it ended over If you look this first source number two, I'm where my cursor is right now. The last verse of the curses in source number two at the end of Kitabo says, "Galu will sell, bring you back to Egypt, you'll be sold down there as slaves. And then what's the next verse? These are the words of the covenant. Not a single word of of comfort. Where is the words of comfort? Some redemption, something after Kitavo. where is that? At the end of Kitavo, it appears to be nothing. The answer to that, of course, is that when the Torah was given, they were given the The division of parshiot was not originally uh, done. And that is a much later division. And here it is in source number six. Source number six is in Parshat Nitzavim. After Kitavos, Parshat Nitzavim. I only have room here for a few verses. As it is repressed for time, this is known as Parshat Tchuba. The parsha of the of of chuba. Chuba here means. To do uh, what's you in English? Chuva is uh, uh, repentance. Repentance, yes, thank you. Repentance, <laughs> repentance, because the word lashuv is referred is referenced so many times but so people see them speak of this as the parsha of repentance and speak people speak of the parsha as individuals need to do repentance. Because the word Lashuv, Lashuv is, re- is, is, is repeated many, many times. But let's see what it's talking about. And ladies and gentlemen, these are only five verses. It goes on. Here is source number five. Source number six. When all these things come to pass, the blessings and the curses which I give, will return to your hearts. You will return to God and you will listen to him. And how do you return to God? God will return your your exiles, and we will mercy. God will gather from amongst the nations. If you are exiled to the far corners of the earth, God will redeem you from there. God will redeem you back to the land that you were exiled from. Ladies and gentlemen, this goes on very powerfully. Now the tables are turned. If at the end of Vaikra there are merely a few verses saying, God will remember you, it's okay. Here, it's something else entirely. There is a redemption here of the Jewish people returning from the four corners of the earth. However, at the end of the day, it's exactly what happened. At the end of the first temple, when the first temple destroyed, the Jewish people came back from Babylonia. There was a bit, a little bit of redemption, but it was tiny. It was insignificant because it only lasted a few hundred years, and the Second Temple was destroyed, and the Jews once again were exiled. But late, and 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 so that, that came seventy years later, and it was a bit of redemption, but it was very minor. God remembered us; we weren't destroyed. God re- remembered His covenant, and the Second Temple was built, but it did not last. Ladies and gentlemen, source number six is the most powerful description of an exile, and we waited 2,000 years for these, these for these words to come to fruition. These words describing a nation. How does a nation, Rav al writes this, how he says the topic is not the repentance of an individual. It's about the repentance of a nation. How does a nation repent? A nation repents by coming back to its land. And here there's a very powerful description, verse after verse after verse, of the Jewish people being redeemed by returning to their land but coming from the four corners of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, these verses are what we are living through today. The Ramban only saw the exile coming to fruition. And he said, wow, this is incredible. What the Torah writes exactly has come to pass. We are privileged to be living in a time period that not just the re- ex- ex- exile has come to pass, but we are witnessing the redemption of the Jewish people returning to the land of Israel from the four quarters of the earth, exactly and precisely as the Torah describes in Parshat Tzavim its source number six. So ladies and gentlemen, we have then, we have then a descript- in the Torah descriptions of exile and redemption. And as I mentioned right now, those descriptions of exile and redemption in the Torah exactly describe what was going to happen to the Jewish people along the way. The Jewish people were twice exiled for the land, and the Torah describes it twice. The descriptions are different. The Babylonian and the Roman destruction were different, as we denoted earlier, uh, as descriptions of the exile coming from a far land, the Latin, Greek land nation you don't speak a language speaks all to egypt that happened to the roman that did not describe that wasn't described in the first exile and the redemption as well in the torah a few verses of comfort after the first but a major description of redemption of jewish people returning to the land after the second as a matter of fact the rambat again who i mentioned only was saw the exile was not privileged as we are today to see the redemption the Ramban and azina i didn't bring horse, the source the rambat and azina if the Torah, if you would have told me that the Torah is a book of astrologers, I would have believed you because everything the Torah said is coming to pass. And once again, he only saw the exile. We are privileged to see the fruition of the of the of the redemption. So far in the Torah, what about Chazal? So before I read verse number seven, there are multiple multiple midrashim in Chazal which describe the redemption. Uh, for instance, uh, before we read one we right for now, I'll tell you one. Uh, I'll tell you one that I didn't not quote. There is a medrash which describes the following: a man and his son were walking along, and as kids do, kids say, "Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet?" that's what kids do. Are we there yet? And uh, and the dad's like, "Enough already, kid. You know, be quiet." And then finally, dad says to the kid, "When you see the Beit kavrot, you'll know we were at the we were at the Medina." Now, in Chazal speak, the word Medina refers to a city, right? That's what it means. Throughout the Talmud, throughout the Talmud, the word Medina means city. And what the Father is telling the Son is when you see the Beit HaKevavah, when you see the cemetery, you'll know that we're close to the city, which is true, because cemeteries are always built outside the city. Nobody wants a cemetery in their backyard, right? I am sitting right now, as I speak to you, in the old city, right? From the Beit Midrash. we see Harazitim, the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Oz was built outside the old city. It's a cemetery. Nobody wants to build a cemetery in the city. It's always outside the city. If you remember coming up the road to Jerusalem, as you approach Jerusalem on the right, you see Haram and Hara is a big cemetery. It's just on the outskirts of the city. So the father is telling the son that when you see the cemetery, you know we're close to the city. And that's what the Midrash says. But of course, we all know that doesn't make any sense because... Everybody knows the cemeteries are built outside the city. Why would the Midrash have to tell you that? What the Midrash is telling you, ladies and gentlemen, and we could only understand this in our generation, is that the Medina, the state of Israel, is followed after you see the biggest Beit Farod of Jewish of, of Yiddishites. And that was in the Holocaust. The Holocaust was the greatest cemetery ever of the Jewish people. And, the, and when you saw the Holocaust and you saw the cemetery, the Medina was not far behind. I'm not making any, any theological connection between them, that all, not at all. That's a separate discussion, not for now. I'm just saying, historically speaking, the state did come upon the heels of the Holocaust, and that is sent to in this Midrash. But if you don't like that one, sources seven and eight are very powerful. Seven says the following. "The Gemara in Sanhedrin. Amar Abba, ain't You do not have a more revealed end of days. Shemar titenu Israel. The mountains of Israel, give forth your branches, give forth your fruit." And then you'll know the redemption is there. Says Rashi, what is a revealed end of days? When the land of Israel gives its fruit in a nice and very bountiful, very, very, very generous way. And the end of days is there. You have no more revealed days, more end of days than that. Again, like I said before, the Torah promised us, the Torah guaranteed us, and the rabban wrote this. The rabban wrote, As we saw earlier, that the Jewish people were promised that as long as the Jewish people are in exile, the nations of the world will not be able to settle the land. The land will be desolate as long as the Jewish people are in exile. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a cliche. As I mentioned before, this is literally historical truth. People lived here, individuals, small communities, but not a nation. When did the land start to blossom again? With the late, with the Aliyot of the late 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, draining the swamps, draining the marshes, with the Aliyot of the Bilouim, and the first and the second and third Aliyot from Eastern Europe, that's when the nation, the land of Israel started blossoming again. And there you go. That's exactly what we're telling you. That's exactly, exactly what Hazal is telling us. The land will be desolate, but then redemption begins when the land begins to give its fruit. And again, ladies and gentlemen, it's, that's just I'm just I'm just describing historical events, and I'm showing to you the Chazal and the Torah described it. You can make it as you please. Source number eight, Yerushalmi, a very famous Yerushalmi. Rabba, ben Maalchi, Arbel These rabbis were walking in Bikat Arbel. It's a beautiful hike on the western banks of the Kinneret, the Arbel. It's a beautiful hike with uh, with metal holes and all that. It's gorgeous. Kritzda means at dawn. They saw the crack of dawn. One said to the other, So this is such as the redemption Jewish people. At the beginning, slowly, slowly. But As it goes on, it becomes stronger. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you right now, I assume that many of you, if not all of you, may be still in Galut, still in exile. Okay, I hope you don't mind my saying that. Okay? Many people in arts think that the redemption is going to come. You can't even see me snapping my face. I can't stand this. I wish I had the video. Oops. I apologize. I'm so <laughs> upset. Right? And you can see the vehemence on my face. All right? <laughs> and many people think that, that when the redemption comes, people will just, you know, fly over magic carpets. It's just going to happen like that. It'll be an immediate process. I know people in America. Maybe you do yourself. I know people in America who have suitcases, packed suitcases under their beds waiting for the Mashiach to come I'm ready to fly over, I'm zipping over and they think the redemption is going to happen overnight, ladies and gentlemen that's not the way it's going to happen what is Source 8 to describe for us Source 8 Source tells us that the redemption of the people is going to be a slow process there's ups and downs, as a matter of fact it's like a yeletashaka, like the deer like the deer flits around, sometimes you see it sometimes you don't, sometimes you see the redemption sometimes you don't 67, six day war, world awakening of Jewry, Russian Jewry wakes up. 73, Yom Kippur war, a slap in the face and people go, what's going on over here, right? Things are doing better, kush katif. There's ups and downs and it's a slow process. We're gonna see this later on. We're gonna see this in a minute. Ladies how much time do I have? Okay, I'll just tell you that I was once, I was once in a bookstore. I was once in a bookstore in Israel, and I picked up a book, a children's book, and the name of the book was When the Mashiach Comes. I'm like, this is great. I want to see what happens when the Mashiach comes. I start reading. When the Mashiach comes. So I start reading this book. When the Mashiach comes, go, the, there will be no wars. Okay, Shkoyach. That's not your the Mashiach, but fine. When the Mashiach comes, we'll all go to Eretz Israel. I'm thinking, Chas Shalom before. Great. When the Mashiach comes, the temple will come down from the heavens. I'm like, and, and you see this man and woman and child beaming and looking up to Shemaim, I see a temple coming down from heavens, so I'm thinking, this is the Torah of Chutzlars, because this is not the way it's going to happen. And I opened up, printed in New York, Shkars. That's not the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. The Torah of Eretz Israel says that the Jewish people will build a temple. Yes, I know there's a Rashi in Sukkah that says the temple comes Shemaim. I'm not debating that but I think we're going to build it. I know there's a monstrosity out there right now. I don't know how we're going to get rid of it, but it's going to happen at some point, and we're going to build it, and it's a slow process like Yerushalmi describes. It's a slow process, and there's ups and there's downs. And only if you understand this, you understand what's going on in the land of Israel. I know kids who after Gush Katif, when Gush Katif was handed over to Hamas, right? In 2000, what was that? 2005, I think, right? I know kids who took off their kipas. Because they said, "Where's the redemption? Where's God?" But you don't. Have, you have to understand. So, yes, there's there's a process, and there's ups and there's downs, and sometimes you see it, and sometimes you don't. And we have to do whatever true, but we need to do to make sure that it goes and continues in a good direction. But no one ever promised us things are going to go easily. Now that's in Chazal. There's a few sources in Chazal. Let's look at source number nine, ladies and gentlemen. Rav Kalisher. I wrote the dates. There you go. Source number nine. He, there, he, he was known as one of them, in Hebrew, we call it um, I looked it up, and before, I always translated Harbingers of Zionism. I saw they translate as forerunners of Zionism. So, so I wrote on the sheet today forerunners of Zionism, right? Now, we all know that Herzl, cre- Herzl created the Zionist, the political Zionist movement in 1897, with the first Zionist Congress in Basel. But before that, there were people, there were thinkers who started thinking about, we call them proto-Zionists. Right, because there was no Zionist movement like Herzl created, but there were people who started talking about the importance of Jewish people returning to their lands. Right, that was the Biluim, that was the um, that was the movement called Chibat Zion in Russia in, in in the late in in the, in the late 1800s. And other rabbis, there was a uh, 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 There was a, no Hess. What's his first name? I forgot. It said, he wasn't religious. His first name Hess. I forgot his first name. Rab Kalisher, Rab kalai living in rabbanim in Eastern Europe, started calling about the, the return to Eretz Israel. Look was Rab Furshevishka. Looks like a Haredi, but looks what he writes in source number nine. Tell me if this guy is not a prophet. He's writing. Okay, you can see when he lives. He's writing before the eighteen before the eighteen hundreds. Okay, Sorry, mid eighteen hundreds he's writing. He's writing mid eighteen hundreds. The redemption of the Jewish people that we are hoping for. Don't think. Don't think that God's going to come from heavens to earth. To tell us people, leave. Sorry, that should be Minasha be. Didn't come out well. I didn't copy all. A, 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 a moment from the heavens. To blow. God's going to not get to the Mashiach, the Mashiach, to blow a shofar. to gather people to shine. a fire of wall. A wall of fire and a temple of God will come down from Shemaim. all these miraculous things. Look in Korah Maskel, my intelligent reader, that is not what's going to happen. There's miraculous things that you think is not going to happen like that. Certainly, what the prophets prophesy and all they say is going to happen. We're not going to rush, it's not going to happen in one day. Redemption will come slowly, slowly. Again, ladies and gentlemen, he's writing in the mid-1800s. Haser, I goodness. I really don't copy well. Haser, I I copied and pasted, it didn't come out. Haser ma Remove that which you're used to. Remove these thoughts which are erroneous. People think it's gonna be miraculous, and the temple of God, the temple is gonna come from your mind Forget that. That's not the way it's gonna happen. Don't think that it's gonna happen. Don't think that the Michelle is gonna scream and shout and will be redeemed. Look at here it comes. Again, he's writing in 1800 Tell me there's not a prophet. The beginning of the redemption will be through the awakening of the spirit of the philanthropists. Through the uh, the, through the, 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 the generosity of the kingdoms, to gather among the Jewish people. What does he say? The two conditions for a natural slow process of redemption, philanthropy, of the rich with the wealthy and the awakening of their spirits and the uh, acquiescence of nations of the world who will agree to it. That is exactly what happened. That was exactly political Zionism. It began with Montefiore and all those clever building the first aliyot. And it concluded with what? Herzl running around and getting a charter, looking for a charter, the permission of the nations of the world, 1917 Balfour Declaration, 1922 San Remo Conference are sure, uh, 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 confirming that 1947 partition vote. This is exactly how it happened, a natural, slow process. Again, Ravel's side, this is exactly what the Gemara says. There are other sources because, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, I only brought a few, there's many more. Well, we've done the first half until now then of our discussion today, and we have maybe 13 minutes, but I can go later, it's up to you because it's probably difficult to listen because I'm not here. And I'm not in to face I apologize, but here we go. What we've done until now is we've done a very brief survey of Jewish sources. And what we argued is that if you read the source in the Torah and you read the source in the Chazal, how they described the exile and they had described the, 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 the redemption, that's exactly what happened to the Jewish people. The Jewish people were exiled twice. The Jewish people were uh, redeemed twice. Certainly, the first redemption was a very minor one. The second one is more lasting. We had to wait 2,000 years for it. And the sources that the Torah describes, the Chazal described, is exactly what happened to the Jewish people. It is unbelievable, in my humble opinion. And the the process of redemption, which are being described, are a slow process. And that's exactly what we see coming to fruition today. We had to wait 2,000 years for it, but we are in the midst of it today. I'll try to add something to this later on if time allows us. I want There are many, many challenges to the world of religious Zionism. Um, for instance, I understand that you had a class with Rav Judah, and if you were there, about the opposition to the Sat Rebbe based on the three oaths. Is everybody familiar with that? Do I have to address it or not? I'm not going to address it, okay? I'm not addressing it right now, okay? If those who are, who are not familiar with it are welcome to... to, to, to to message me afterwards. Uh, if, you, uh, my, if My email is ravnoam.oreta.org and I can discuss it further if you're not familiar with it. That is a classic extreme uh, r- extreme uh, uh Haredi opposition to the state. There are 15 arguments. It's it, The argument is very difficult to stand. It has not, no legs to stand on, but I will not discuss it right now. Let's talk about something else. Here we go. Let's talk about the fact that people say historically redemption through people and leaders who are not religious, sorry, that's not the question. The question is this, people say, I've heard this, I literally heard this from people, how can this be the redemption that we're living in today? Haray Bibi Netanyahu is not religious, right? Or Gans, or all those people, or the Jewish people is not Shomer Shabbos. How could that possibly be the redemption? Aren't we meant to be redeemed when the Jewish people have done tshuva? Like our, our good friend Mordechai Ben-David likes to sing, just one Shabbos, all, we'll all be free. That's Chutzlar's thought. Then when we all keep one Shabbos, we all do tshuva; God will redeem us. But the truth of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, if you understand anything about Jewish history, this has been the process throughout history. And I just wrote a very, I have a million sources on these things, but again, because of time is of an essence. I don't have time to read the sources. I'm just going to write, read very quickly. In other words, the argument is, if anybody with an ear to Jewish history understands, that always throughout Jewish history, redemption came when the people were not deserving. And even so, God, God redeemed them. So it has been throughout Jewish history. If anybody says we need to be redeemed today when we're religious and everybody's keeping shot, this world tzaddikim, that simply has never, ever been, never been. Why would today be any different? I brought you just um, a few examples over here, very quickly over here. Let's talk about King David, Meshach's coming from David. Where does King David himself come from? He comes from the illicit relation between Udan and Tamar, right? Yudan Tamar. Tamar was his daughter-in-law. If you remember the story of the Seven Brashit, Tamar slept with the convinced, it, it pretended to be your pastor, a prostitute. He did stuff with her. They had a child called Peretz, who was a very eventually a, 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 a David Amelach's great, great, great grandfather. That's where David Amelach has come from. Where's his mother coming from? From root, from root, from Moab. Where did Moab reborn Moab was not Hamish, was it? Moab came from Lot sleeping with his daughter, right? And in, and they, she she had a child called Moab and eventually Ruth who became the mother of David Hamelch she came from Moab that's not some very of uh, beginnings is it right as a matter of fact the Gemara whole debate whether David can even be Jewish and married to Jewish people if he comes from Moab now, I'm not I, I don't have, I'm not discussing it right now Shlomo Shlomo who was the chosen son of David who became king after him he came from what from Bat that but David had really taken Bacheva as when she was Oriachiti's wife. He slept with her as as, as as a married woman. That was terrible. The child born for that union died, but eventually someone was born, and he's the one who continued the, the dynasty. Unbelievable. What about M- Moshe, right? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe grew up as a prince of Egypt, right? We're we'll not to go into that uh, movie right now. Prince of Egypt, right? And when he was in Mijan and he redeemed the daughters of Yitro, what do they say? Ishmi Tri anano, an Egyptian man saved us. And Moshe, like, nodding his head, like, yeah, that's me, an Egyptian man. Right? And later on, the penny drops. But he himself to be an Egyptian prince, Esther. This is fascinating. I can I'll be able to share some other time. But it's absolutely clear that Mordechai and Esther were assimilated Jews. Esther is called Ishtar, a name of a Babylonian god. Mordechai is Marduk, Babylonian gods. They were assimilated Jews. At some point in time, woke up and they figured we need to do some Jewish people. The Jewish people were assimilated at that time. They didn't come to Eretz when they had a choice. When Koresh, the king of Persia, Right I wrote, uh, here, let's skip to Shabbat for a second. Cyrus, the king of Persia, and uh, the king of uh, the king of Persia overthrew the Babylonians. Said to the Jewish people, go back to Eretz Yisrael. The Medrash comments: some people might have said, "What, courage that Korosh, the king is going to tell me to come back to Eretz Yisrael? Not a rabbi." And 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 and, and the story of what happened after that: and the Jewish people did not make Aliyah. They were in they were in Babylonia. They were in Persia. They were assimilated Jews. Yet that's when they were redeemed. I can talk about redemption from Egypt. Everybody knows all the famous mitrashim. the Jewish people not deserving, the Anah they were those of the old, 49, the lowest of the 49 gates of Tumah, and the time of the judges, the Sefer Shafim, time and again, the Jewish people, the so to describe it, the Midrashim describe it, the Jewish people are not deserving, yet God redeems them. So the first thing that you need to know is, anybody who says to you, how can this be redemption? Hooray! The Jewish people are not deserving, the Jewish people are not religious, the answer is, this is the same pattern that Jewish history has always shown us. So don't, why would today be any different? If someone says to Kaddish Baruch God, I don't like this redemption. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I think you should redeem us when the Jewish people are all are, are from, etc. Then that person is a non-believer. And I'm not saying this for both sides. Other people have said this before. They say, you're telling God. Honey. It's like, you're telling God, God, I think that the redemption should be different. I don't like the way redemption is happening. You're going to tell God how to redeem the Jewish people. If God thinks the Jewish people should be able to redeem this particular manner, then that's the way God thinks. Who are you to tell us differently? If God wants the people the way it is, then that's the what. Again, have eyes. Open your eyes. See what's going on around you. So the first thing is the fact that your people are being redeemed today many people have written before me as well, that this is classic, classic continuation of Jewish history, that God redeems the Jewish people when they need to be redeemed. And God does not start thinking how many people keep Shabbos, how many people keep kosher. I'm running out of time right now. I'm happy to continue beyond seven o'clock. By my time, is about seven, but I, because I, I started late. But you tell me if you want, if you wish to continue. It's up to you, ladies and gentlemen, Um, because I don't, it's, I'm sure it's as very frustrating, but there's no, that there's no uh, photo, there's no video, so it's uh, really up to you. Also, I'll, 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 in five minutes you tell me one another a, a bit more, but here it is, why did this have to be so? Now this is another much deeper question. If at first I just argued right now that the fact that Jewish people are being deemed in our generation, and even though they're not religious and they're not keeping Shabbat, they're not keeping kosher, the vast majority of Jews, how could that be? And I argued that is the pattern of Jewish history why and I, the, the first thing saying, that, that so always was but now i'm doing one better did it ha- it has to be like this it has to be like this now why does it have to be like this look ladies and gentlemen there's five or six or seven or eight answers i've merely collected two over here okay here two, which are two powerful answers which i think uh, again there are many 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 answers some i think better than others some i with, some i don't Raftahtal in his book Imam Ismech, if you feel me with, with it, it's a very fascinating book. He provides he provides two points over here. Ravtahtal was um, a a, a, a going, he's an evil, a gone olam, born in Hungary. Um, and he was taken to the camps and the ghettos during the war. Before the war, before the Holocaust, before the Second World War, Ravtahtal was classic Hungarian Jewry, anti-Zionist, Haredi, anti-Zionist, Agudas Israel, etc. The war changed his opinion. The Holocaust changed his opinion. And if you have the Satmar Reddy writing that the reason for the Holocaust is for the non-religious Zionists, Rav writes, the reverse is true. The Shoah, the Holocaust, came because of the anti-Zionist Haredi. Unbelievable. Rav literally changed his opinion 180 degrees. He wrote a book presenting his views called Eima which was which was uh, published in 1943, <laughs> unbelievable, during the war, he wrote the book from memory. If you're familiar with the book, if you've ever seen it before, it is actually scary. There's no other word for it. Quotes hundreds of sources by heart. It's actually a scary book what he wrote. So the, 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 the book, Eim al is a very, very, very powerful, very important book uh, for, for, um, for, for this type of thought. And then he says, look, let's read Let's read very briefly what he writes in source number 10. Yadati b'ni Yadati. He was killed, of course, I wrote by the Nazis, unfortunately. There's a dispute exactly how he was killed. Nobody knows who he was killed in Auschwitz. He killed by Ukraine. Soldier he's killed by the Nazis. Yadati b'ni Yadati. I know that you have a great Kashiach. If the building of the land, he saw he saw the Aliyot. He saw the building in Palestine was known as Palestine. He saw that this is atlatu, the being of redemption, and he suggests we need to support that movement. How could it be that the majority of people building the land are 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 are, are, are sinners? They're almost like Goyim. All the early Zionists, they don't know anything. How could this be that atlatu, the Gulag is such a name How could it be that that God is bringing the redemption to them. That's our kasha. <sighs> At first glance, your kasha is great. But here's his answer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, more of a mystical answer. Um, take it as you... Take, I'm not a mystic. I'm a rationalist. But it's, it's quite a mystical answer. But tell me what you think about. it. You should know. First he says, "I don't understand." First he don't need to understand. First he says, "Mia dehi." Who can understand God? If this is what God, who, who you can understand? It. Okay, but fine. If you want to understand it anywhere, I'll say something else. I'll say something else. If you want to understand it any, I'll say something else. Here it comes. Okay, here it is. He named Whenever it's 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 fundamental words. When God wants to do a great thing. Which is touch the heavens, and the land and the earth in this world. God wraps it up and hides it. Even in not even, even disgusting and not pretty means, and and they're disgusting. So the accusers, the 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 etc. won't be able to stop it. This is a Kabbalistic answer. He says, when God wants to bring redemption, David Melech, if God would say, David Melech, I'm going to bring the Mashiach in a more clean manner, in a a pristine way, in a beautiful way, then then some or another, the Kabbalistic forces, the anti-godly forces, the Satan, the the, the angels of of the accusers against the Jewish people, so they would have tried to prevent it. What does God do? God hides it. He wraps it up in mysterious ways. And then people say, Aha, they're not people. The, 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 the Satan doesn't realize what's going on. So if you hide the birth of the Mashiach with Moab and you Tamar, then the, the capture game, the accusers don't realize what's going on before they know it. Boom, there's a redemption. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's a capitalistic idea. If you like it, like it. If you don't like it, don't like it. Um, uh, <laughs> here's another answer. Here's another answer. Ladies, the Haredi missed the boat. This is a very, very bitter accusation against the Haredim. I told you that he changed his tune during the Second World War. look what he writes. He says, name uh, well, uh, he, he, he says in the first paragraph over here that the Kofshim, the non-religious Zionists, realize that they they're not going to get redemption in their in Russia and in Poland, and the only place to go is to Eretz Yisrael. And they took the lead on that. And then he says, I'm learn at the cursor. Since the Kharim didn't make efforts, and the Bar, they don't have effort, they don't have any any uh any influence. As far as if you want to influence what's going on in the land of Israel, then come here. The Khareen complaining that the leadership is 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 trade. the leadership non-religious. Hello, that's because you didn't come. If the Chilonim come and create a state, they're the ones that are going to call the shots. If you don't come, you don't get involved, you're not gonna call the shots. Now look at this. This is a very bitter criticism. He attacks the Kharini. Lo Yadati Islam is based in Shama. I don't even know if the Kharini will ever to able to 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 um to, to give an answer to the heavenly court. Alminiatam lilika khariq nabina arts the fact that they are not taking place, taking part in building the land. Why? Because I'm skipping a lot of, to the next bold in Gam Hayekharim Kharini Mayuka Bim Philavah. If the Eireim and the Harenim would take part of this, the nation, the state will look different. You're complaining that, in other words, you're, you ask me a kasha, how can it be that the state is secular? The answer is because you didn't put the efforts in. If you would come and make a difference, then the state would look different. If you would give it, you would give it elements of Kedusha, but you're not. So don't complain. And look at the last line of this, can we this. mali? It appears to me, all the Haredi leaders who prevented Jewish people to go take participate in the building of the land, they will not ever be able to, to atone and to say what he says over here in the program before, we are getting slaughtered by the Nazis. Imagine if the Haredi would have joined forces and told Jews, go to the land of the so go to Palestine. How many Jews would have been able to be saved? He said the Karadi leadership will not be able to atone and wash their hands for, from, from it. And to say we didn't spill this blood is because they told the Jewish people not to come to Israel. Ladies and gentlemen, this is we just what we've done today then is we 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 spoke about a little bit of the foundations of the religious values and we said it's coming from reading the Torah reading Chazal, how they describe exile redemption, and that's that and, and that leads us to a conclusion that we're leading the period of redemption today. And we saw we only managed to address one of the fundamental problems. How could it be that the redemption is coming through the time of non-religious? And I mentioned we brought two answers of Rab There are multiple other examples and answers, these are just some of them. I would like to conclude with one thing. Not too long ago, we celebrated Pesach. Everybody knows that you're supposed to finish the Afikomin at night, at night, and that, by by midnight. Why? Because because that is um, we, we, we're closer to the Shita of Rab Lezer. Rabbi Kiva says no to the morning. We're, because we're close to Rabbi Lezer, we say you should finish up your government by night. The Bachlokas between them is when the redemption happened. Rabbi Rila says, power let the Jewish people go at midnight, when 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 the, the plague of the firstborn came. Rabbi Kiva says, yeah, but the Jewish people left during the day. Rabbi Kiva says, the eternal optimist, if you know anything about Rabbi Kiva, all the stories in the Tamil, Talmud, he is the eternal optimist. Rabbi Kiva says to Rabbi Lezer, Rab Lezer, it's very nice that power let us out at night, but that's not true redemption. When the Goim tells us to do something, it's very nice. That's not true redemption. When redemption? When the Jewish people do something about it. When the Jewish people left Egypt and acted, that is true redemption. Ben-Gurion, Ben-Gurion used to say, it's not important what the Goyim say, it's important what the Jews do. I'm saying this from a theological point of view. That's what Rabbi Kiva is saying. He's saying from Lazar, it's nice that the Goyim help us out, but until we pick up the gauntlet and run with it, nothing happens. So Rabosai, that's what Religious Zionism says. We have to pick up the ball. We have to run with it. Redemption comes. Hashem will help us. But Hashem will help us if we help ourselves. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I will stop here. I do, once again, apologize for the lack of the video. I, it's the first time it's ever happened to me. I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what took my camera. I apologize. I hope you're able to get something out of it. As you can see, I'm very passionate about this. I'm a, I, I believe in being an ex I believe in, in being taking part of the redemption of the Jewish people today in the land of Israel. I wish, Ms. Hashem, everybody should join us here in ex sooner rather than later. Amen. Okay? Thank, Thank, you, Ralph, Thank you, Rabbi. Thank, Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. Thank you,